Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. It's Cinco de Mayo hangover, right? I mean, yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. I don't know about the rest of the country. Out here, it's big shit, right? Cinco de Mayo, it is not. Oh, I mean, if you don't do a promotion for whatever business is in for Cinco de Mayo, my uh, anal bleaching place. Uh, (laughs) They said, all weekend for free, they'll put salt on your rib. That's... (laughs) What? Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> no, you gotta watch that tequila. Whoa, that tequila stuff. <laughs> e- Elon Musk uh, passed out, and when he woke up, he had bought Radio Shack. <laughs> gotta watch out for Cinco de Mayo. Oh yeah. And and women, I gotta tell you, if you can't remember what you did <laughs> last night, you might want to get the abortion now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the big news, right? The big news, right? Okay, they're going to get rid of Roe versus Wade after 49 years. And as soon as this was leaked, uh, protesters immediately gathered outside the Supreme Court. Um, Memo to my Democratic friends, uh, more effective when you're on the inside. (laughs) Uh, uh... (laughs) Yeah, now it's just going to be a race. with the Waffle House dates. <laughs> to, to, to just get more and more restrictive about abortion. Uh, Oklahoma already has one on the books. Uh, six weeks. Can't get it after six weeks. Most women don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. They don't even know if they like the guy. <laughs> six weeks. That's a quick hook. Oh, Louisiana wants to pass a law that says flat out, if you get an abortion, you get charged with murder. Wow. But suddenly, getting the right pronoun doesn't seem so big, does it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but on the uh, bright side... <laughs> it's not really that big of a bright side. But <laughs> in Louisiana, okay, if the fetus is absolutely a human being and you're driving alone to another state to get an abortion, 
you can use the carpool lane. So I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, not a big. <laughs> America is getting chippy out there, right? Boy. Another attack on comedy. You saw Dave Chappelle get attacked on stage again. War on comedians keeps going on. And I love this. This is so America. The guy had a, a real knife inside of a fake gun. <laughs> <laughs> you want to sneak a knife in somewhere? Hide it in a gun. And, uh, Our, uh, our new friend Madison Carthorn is back in the news, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. He's kind of new on the scene. He's very young, under 30. I think one of the youngest uh, Republican or any congressman. And uh, Christian conservative keeps getting caught <laughs> doing things that don't seem exactly Christian conservative. The late... <laughs> we talked about it last week. This week, there's a new video out of him uh, naked. Uh, <laughs> straddling another man's face and thrusting his pelvis into it. The... <laughs> the... <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> the Pornhub title was Republican Fuckface Fucks Face. <laughs> and, uh... He said... Madison already commented on this. I'm not joking. He said he was just trying to be funny. This, <laughs> this is always... Two weeks ago, he was caught in... Uh, there's a picture of him in women's lingerie, women's underwear, trying to be funny. He said it was a joke. Then last week, we had the video where he was in the car. <laughs> and he's saying, I want to feel the passion. And another guy is grabbing his dick. Joke. He said it was just a joke. <laughs> Now we have him skull-fucking a guy on tape. And, and again, I'm joking. <laughs> I mean... There's infinite ways you can create a joke. His is always, what if I was gay? That's... that's I tell you... I gotta say... Comedically, this guy really commits to the bit. You know what I'm saying? He commits. But, no, I... I'm not saying he is gay at all. I'm just saying in Florida, they're not allowed to discuss him in school now. That's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. Speaking of that stuff, did you see this? Five Republican senators now are trying to pass a bill that will have the uh, FCC, or I don't know, whoever it is that <clears throat> puts warnings, you know, ahead of TV shows... Watch this shit you're about to see, because it's got some <laughs> shit in it that we, you should know about. Okay. These five Republican senators want to put warning labels now on TV shows when there are LGBTQ characters in it. What's that going to be like? This show contains violence, adult content, and catty comments about Judy Garland. <laughs> Viewer discretion is advised. <clears throat> and... <laughs> Before I go, I should run. It is Mother's Day Sunday, so let's all uh, hear it for moms. Uh, oh, I saw... I was in uh, CVS yesterday doing some shoplifting. I saw some... <laughs> I saw a beautiful uh, Mother's Day, a Republican Mother's Day card. 
Uh, it said, thank you for bringing me to term, whether you wanted to or not. Anyway, we've got a great show. We've got Paul Begala and Michelle Tafoya. First up, she is the Democratic State Senator from Maine's 13th District and co-author of Dirt Road Revival, How to Rebuild Rural Politics and Why Our Future Depends on a Chloe Maxman. Hey, how are you? Shake, bump, you have to ask these days. All right, we'll do both. Well, once you shake, you might as well not bump. Yeah, why not? Right, no, I'm all for everything. Okay, so you are the youngest state... Senator, female state senator, is that right from the state of Maine? That is true. Wow. Okay. And, uh, but last time, I mean, you were here when you were just in college, right? I was. I know. It was almost a decade ago. Oh, we saw you grow up on this show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you, but you went back to home. You're like Welcome Back <laughs> Cotter, except not Brooklyn, yeah. Maine. Uh, why did you make that choice? Yeah, the day I graduated from college, I moved right back to my hometown, a small town in Maine of 1,600 people. I just, I love my home so much. I, wow. I always wanted to go home and, cool. and build my life there and do politics there. But you're not going to do politics anymore now, aren't you out of it? Didn't you say you're not going to keep going on the electoral ladder? Yes, I've served four years in the Maine legislature. I was first elected in 2018. I served a term in the House and a term in the Senate. But, you know, I think there's so much power in getting lots of young people elected for all across rural America instead of just me. And so we wrote the book, and we're going to do that. But don't they need you? (laughs) Don't they need you, Coach, in the game? (laughs) I am still in the game, just doing it in a different way, you know, just making sure that candidates and campaigns have all the tools that they need to get young folks elected. I don't blame you for not wanting to do it either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but, you know, just say that. It's a shitty job who wants to do it. Mm. Okay. So let's talk about the book. It's yes. called What Democrats Don't Know About Rural Voters. What I they guess need. that's the subtext of the subtitle. <laughs> what, what's the title? The title is Dirt Road Revival, How to Rebuild Rural Politics and Why Our Future Depends on It. Oh. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Something different. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, but that's really what it is, right? I mean, you, you're, and I think this is a great message that the Democrats need to hear because they are, I mean, it's just ridiculous how unpopular they are in places like, and Maine, I mean, I mean, come on, that Maine is very, I mean, I think the black population of Maine consists of a bear. <laughs> yeah. Maine is it's a, not a, a diverse very white state. state, right? It's a very white state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's the message yeah. to Democrats from your book? Yeah, you know, I grew up in a, in a House district and a Senate district in Maine that voted for Trump, and we just went out and started talking to folks and listening to people who did vote to vote for Trump and just try and have more of an honest conversation about what was happening. And, you know, we won in both of those seats. There were Trump signs next to Chloe signs, and we discovered all of this common ground with folks who we usually write off, and it was, you know... It was so sad to see my community left behind by the Democratic Party, but also so hopeful at all of this space that we can build relationships for durable political power. So you can win them over? You can win Trump voters? Or you thought you won actual Trump voters over? Yes, we wow. did. Yeah, just through well, and, and when we talk about rural, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's interesting what we think of it as rural. Maybe I don't even know what rural is. I mean, I think of it as people playing in a jug band. Yeah, there are some stereotypes. But, but it's more than that. You know, I mean, it's like, where does the suburbs end? It's not the city. 
Okay, it's not the city, but it's like, what is suburb? Like, I grew up in the suburbs, but when I think about my youth, it was pretty kind of rural. Mm-hmm. There was woods behind my house. I, yeah. I played in dirt a lot. Mm-hmm. Dirt was a big part of my childhood. Yeah. Was Mine I too. rural? Was that rural? Maybe you were rural. I may be rural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that a... But so it's a lot more, but I'm just saying, it's a lot more of America than what we think, right? Yeah. It's yeah. not just Appalachia. I mean, rural is a big part of the country. Fly over it. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge down there? part of our country, you know? And it's a, it's a part of our country that has a lot of political influence yes. and a lot of untold and unheard stories. And, you know, just growing up in, in that community and being able to represent it and hearing those stories as a Democrat, you know, sometimes I'll show up to a house and people will... will slam the door in my face because they know I'm a Democrat. It's, it's a bad word in a lot of places. Well, when you, when you show up at Where a house... Wear the red. Don't I know, I'm wearing Republican. red today, which is a bit ironic. <laughs> but when you show up at a house, the first question is, are you a Democrat or a Republican? That's interesting. And I'm... That's I'm the first honest. question? Oh, almost always. So, okay. I'm an honest politician. That says a lot so I say about I'm a Democrat. where we are in America. It's, it's that, so polarizing and... One of the things that I love about rural communities is, and how I was raised is it's really all about values. You know, are you a good person? Okay, now that, I th- that in your book, I think, is the mo- most important thing, mm-hmm. is that Democrats are... Look, I've said this in a, in a nice way. Mm-hmm. They're policy wonks mm-hmm. th- at their best. Yeah. Republicans, come on, they've not taken government. They don't, don't take it that seriously. Reagan, Bush, they, you know, fits on a one-page paper. I read that. That's, that's how much I know or care. Yeah. People, you think about Hillary Clinton and Obama. I mean, these people, Bill Clinton, I mean, they're wonks. They get it because government is complicated. Mm-hmm. And the more you know, the better you do. That's at their best. Yeah. But they don't understand this very, very big difference that you're getting at. Policy. You talk policy... That's not what matters to a lot of the people in this country. It is values. Exactly. Values like self-reliance. Yes. And common sense, mm-hmm. which the Republicans seem to lack. Yes. Frugality. Mm-hmm. Religious. You know, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, in my two campaigns, I've knocked about 20,000 doors. I've had a lot of conversations with Republicans and independents, and I have never heard a Republican say that they want expensive health care. So... Right. It's, it's all about how we talk about the issues because we can find that common ground if we take the time to do it. And, of course, what we, you know, the elephant in the room, I think, with all of this stuff mm-hmm. that we're talking about, values, Republican versus Democrat, slamming the door in your face, yeah. race. Mm-hmm. Are the people, the white people, who are in this very white state, are they racist? Because their view, I think, is that just because we're white, we're seen as racist now, mm-hmm. at least by the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. You saw them up, in, up close and personal. Are they racist? Well, that's a complicated question, you know. <laughs> I mean, some all, people everywhere are. Yeah. But lot. in general, mm-hmm. the average person, even if they voted for Trump, mm-hmm. would you say they were racist? I mean, I think we live in a society that has a lot of racist threads in it, you know, just the, the way that our country is built is built on racism, and so it's hard to... All that is intertwined with everything that we're doing. And yeah, a large... but now in 2022, mm-hmm. these people themselves, they weren't around when the country was built racially. Yes, we understand that, and that, yes, of course, there is still lots of racism in the society. Are they? 
are they racist? Correct. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Well. Right. I'm getting applause just for the question. Mm. It's better be a great answer. <laughs> I think that there are a lot of narratives that have created racism in rural America, but I don't think that rural Americans are racist. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some are, but I think... I think just... I think a lot of people just... Look, when you're a politician, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like a lawyer, you know? You're representing people. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these kind of people... Again, you know these people better than me. Mm. (laughs) Because I got out of the rural area long ago. Mm. (laughs) Rural New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But I think their, their view is sort of like that the Democratic Party, they should be my lawyer, the way your lawyer represents you. But they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not really advocating for me. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't hate them for it. Mm-hmm. But don't expect me to be voting for you because you're not my lawyer. Yeah. And this other party, who I have problems with too, but at least they, they're representing me. Mm-hmm. That's my lawyer. Mm-hmm. And we only get two choices in America. Mm-hmm. you got to pick one. Yeah. So how do the Democrats fix that? I mean, what I think in a big part of the book that I co-wrote with my campaign manager, Canyon Woodward, he's in the audience today. Our message is that there is a lot of hope and potential in how we campaign. Because every day we were talking to folks who had never been contacted by a Democrat or Democratic campaign in their entire voting history, but yet there were conversations there. And so if we start campaigning, if we start having conversations, and we don't just do that in an election year, but we do that every month of every year and really invest in rural America, that maybe we can find that common ground. So what do you say to the... What do you say to the person who, like, uh, you knock on the door Mm -hmm. and they say, oh, wow, you look like a Democrat. Mm And they start to slam the door. Yeah. You said this happened, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, wait a second, I just want to talk. And they're like, okay, I'll let you talk. Yeah. Here, have some of the moonshine. <laughs> and you ask them what their issues are. And they say, well, I hear a lot about white privilege. Mm. Have you looked around my trailer? Mm-hmm. Does it look like I'm privileged? What do you say to that person? Because that's the voter you have to get in the mm-hmm. Democratic Party. Well, I think that's, that's part of it, right, is that in rural America, folks are feeling like there is a lot of unseen struggle and pain in the reality that folks are living. Right. And that's a real struggle, and that's a real reality. It also means that people of color in our country are also struggling. Those realities can exist at the same time. And I think there are these narratives that are pitting us against each other, that are creating these decisions about you know, how our money is invested and who gets what resources. But what I try and do and what our message is is that we live in a very wealthy country and there is enough resources to go around and we can only find that common ground. We can only create that space for unity if you are face-to-face someone, face-to-face with someone having an honest conversation. Like we did. Thank you very much. Chloe, all right. Good luck out there. We'll see you when you're the youngest something else, I'm sure. All right, let's meet our panel. Okay. Hello. Hello. 
All right, here they are. He is a Democratic strategist and CNN Puka Tripper, one of our favorite guests, Paul Begala is over here. And she is a former, M- N- former NBC reporter, sports reporter, who will host the new podcast Sideline Sanity, launching on all podcast platforms Monday, May 23rd, Michelle Tafoya. Begala and Tafoya. All right, so uh, people hate talking about abortion, so let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do it, but it's the big issue, and we got to do it, and this is what happened. And, you know, it's interesting, because until this memo was leaked, and we found out that now, unless something very unforeseen happens, the Supreme Court is going to undo Roe versus Wade after 49 years... We haven't really been focusing on it, or maybe I'm projecting. I guess I haven't been enough, because I learned things this week, because this put it on the front page, that are pretty basic things that I did not know about abortion. Like, in Europe, the modern countries of Europe, way more restrictive than we are, or what they're even proposing. If you are pro-choice... You would like it a lot less in Germany and Italy and France and Spain and Switzerland. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's right. Okay. Um, I, did, I learned most people who are pro-life are women. Did not know that. Most abortions are from, <laughs> fitting for Mother's Day, mothers, people who have a kid. That makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, it does. does. I'm, I'm sorry, but... And I thought this is interesting. Most abortions now, even when you go to a clinic, are done with the pill. Yeah. The pill. And pills are easy to get in America. We know that. So, you know, for the people who say we're going back to 1973, we're not. No. That, that's just factually inaccurate. And with how easy it is to get a pill, I'm wondering if this is... What do you think? Is this going to be the galvanizing issue that the left think it's going to be? You want to start? Well, first, there are already... Republicans talking about outlawing the pill as well. And many of these states will. And even whether they specifically outlaw the pill, it will still be a crime. Uh, we're, we're not going back to 1973. We're going back to 1931 oh. and before. Well, a lot of states, my state of Texas, where I grew up, they have a law that was it was not back to the 30s. But Michigan has a law that goes back to the 30s. Texas has one. Automatically, hmm. 30 days after Roe versus Wade is repealed, which will happen, it'll come out in June. 30 days. An abortion in Texas is a felony. No exception for rape, no exception for incest. Life in prison for the doc. That's Texas. In Texas. Well, that's 30 million people. Michigan has the same law. No exception for rape, no exception for incest. And we know that most Americans, including conservatives, do not believe that. They're not on that page. They they, they voted it in in Texas not that long ago, and it's because they're not pro-life, Bill. They're pro-life in prison. They want to punish. They want to (laughs) control and, and they're going to be able to now. Well, okay. I, go ahead. You... I disagree. I don't think they want to punish and control. I, look, look I, I am pro-choice. But here we, we have a continuum, right? Somebody gets pregnant, and then there's birth. And that whole timeline in between, there should be a portion of that time, as there has been, when an abortion is legal, whether it's medical, the pill, or surgical. There's got to be a point at which we say, this is a human being capable of living outside the womb, where maybe we don't, we don't do that. 
I think that's what you see a lot of in Europe, and a lot of people are kind of settling around, okay, 15 weeks maybe. Now, I have a good friend, lifelong liberal, who happens to be attached to a children's hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. And he has seen preemies in incubators five months along. They, they are born, they're there struggling to survive, that are now 20-year-olds walking the planet. And he feels very... This is a lifelong liberal. And he feels very strongly about this, that once that baby is viable, why would you extinguish that life? Now, not everyone's going to agree well, on this. It's going to no. require some tough work. There are lots <clears throat> of questions. Well, you just outlined what Roe v. Wade holds and what the Supreme Court is about to overturn. But that, Louisiana, won't ban, just... that won't ban abortions. I realize there are snapback rules but in some states. states will. States have. In Louisiana passed... You mentioned this in your monologue. A, a state uh, assembly committee in Louisiana passed a bill yesterday, 7 to 2, it's not a final law yet, that says life begins at fertilization, which means the IUD is murder. This is what right. they're voting on in these Republican states. If they had your kind of sensible centrist position, I don't think people should be as upset. But they don't. It, right. The, they the second go... largest state is going to make it a felony with life in prison. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy. Right? Yeah. And again, just to the perspective, most Americans think that's crazy. I, I would agree. I, I think probably even in Texas. Yes, they got it passed. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see if we'll, something we'll like see. that holds. In November, the Texas legislature is on the ballot. The Michigan legislature, if, right. if you all don't no. want felony life in prison laws, you can vote them out. Right. Absolutely. Well, another thing I, I learned this week that I, I, may, I think I maybe knew this, but I forgot it, is that it didn't used to be a partisan issue. Right. At the time, Roe versus Wade but passed, but not a partisan issue. It became a partisan issue because of the Christian right. They made it a partisan issue. They made it so that it became where the Democrats were for abortion being safe and legal, and Republicans were also when their mistresses got pregnant, of course. Right. But in general... I have a friend back home... Uh, in general, it was not even partisan. There, there are a lot of things it's, also that have changed since Roe v. Wade passed, and I think a lot of people are bringing this up, that now we have sonograms where you can see what this child actually looks like along the way, whereas in 1973 or whatever it was, that wasn't the case. We, we, we know about... Meaning people would be given pause when they see Perhaps. The... Perhaps they would, it's especially at a certain point in, along, along the line. Because it is a gut thing. I mean, you know, we talk about the Constitution and laws and rights, and it really comes down to, do you like women or do you like babies? You know... For, for me, I, I personally, maybe this is an outlier attitude, I never have thought life itself was particularly precious. Oh. I, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm, that's... What? I really don't. I mean, no, I'm serious. I think life is for the living. Until you're born, you're not living. Okay. I mean, yes, it's becoming a life, but, you know, it's not. And... You know, we wouldn't miss you if you're not born <laughs> because we never knew you. You're not going to miss anything because you never were born. No, I'm serious. I, I, it's, so that's my position. I, I get that that's not most people's right? position. But that's, I mean, that's... Most, most people's position is not what the Supreme Court is doing, and I think that's what's got people so angry. If, if their legislatures uh, have these kind of draconian laws, that's really a problem. But most people in their real lives... I have a friend, very conservative, very pro-life. He says, well, I'm pro-life except for the standard three exceptions. Rape, incest, and if my daughter gets in trouble. Oh, Jesus. Right. And I'm like, well, you need to buddy. No. That's... No, that's a lot of... 
you know... You can catch a lot of Republicans on tape. Contradict... Remember Herman Cain? Dan Quayle did it. Where they're actually explaining how they feel about it while they're trying to tow the pro-life line and they're describing pro-choice. Well, uh, yeah. Um, I think it should be between uh, the family and they should have the... Yes, you just described our choice, moron. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And And I agree with that. And I do think... Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a huge supporter of abortion rights, felt that this law was created the wrong way. And that rather than being attached to the privacy clause of the 14th Amendment, it should have been attached to the equality, equal treatment under the law. So that, you know, women should have the choice whether or not to have a family, just as a man would have a choice whether or not to have a family. And I agree with her. And I do, I do think there is some middle ground, though. Um, I don't... I, there was that, that Kermit, whoever, in Philadelphia who got thrown in prison because he was aborting babies at nine months, eight and a half months, breaking their necks and passing Okay, well, some of that is because it's not a viable... A lot of abortion takes place because the pregnancy went wrong. Yes, I agreed. And that should not even be on the table. No, exactly. Okay, so... But that wasn't what he was doing. So it was more abortion on demand. Someone decided late in the thing. Anyway, there are exceptions all over the place. This isn't a cut-and-dried cookie-cutter... No one has the same situation, right? I mean, I think... So, look, the, the abortion pill, if they outlaw that, they're going to... In states, they are going to pay at, at the ballot box. There is no it question. Is, it is going to be outlawed. But it only begins with abortion. I, I, read, I read the draft opinion from Justice Alito. I actually have a law degree. The same rationale applies to marriage, Loving versus Virginia. It's the, same, it's the same privacy right that says I can marry anybody I want, whether they're black or a, a man, whether I can have contraception, whether I can even have sex. None so, of those words are in the Constitution, but, no, Justice No, 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 but let's, let's be specific and remember that there's a third party, an unborn child involved in this, and, and he specifically goes out of his way in this draft to say... This is very specific to this. I know a lot of people... Just like when he was up for a hearing in in confirmation, he said, oh, Roe is settled law, until he unsettled it. It's the same philosophy. It has to actually apply to overt authority. It's not really about the laws or the constitution. You know, whenever I see a lawyer, whether it's on TV or in an ad, anywhere, uh, they're always in a room with an entire wall of law books behind them. Right? An entire wall. It's, I mean, whatever. It's what you fucking think, yeah. what you feel, and then you'll find something in that wall yeah. of books yeah. to back it up. Yeah. yeah. This, you know, th- this whole bullshit argument about, well, it's settled law. So was uh, segregation. Right. right. Plessy versus Ferguson was settled law in 1896, and thank God somebody said, let's unsettle it. <laughs> so it's not, that's a bullshit argument. It's what, it's what you think. If you, if you like. If you like babies, then you're pro-life. And if you like women, you're pro-choice. I yeah. like women. Uh, you know, uh, I... <laughs> but, but are you saying... <laughs> are you saying... You're sort of, I think, voicing what I've heard a lot this week. People have a sort of a worry about what I would call a domino theory mm-hmm. of social rights. You think, first it's abortion, and then it's gay rights, and then trans rights, and then weed goes, and then... Uh, gay marriage, interracial marriage. Is that what you're worried about? Don't stir up fear now here. Be honest. Wait. The the right to privacy is what abortion is is founded on in the the Constitution, right? And so if there's a right to privacy over a woman's 
choice whether to continue a pregnancy. That's the same, the whole same set of cases, the same legal philosophy that said uh, Mr. and Mrs. Loving had a right to get married, even though one was white, one was black. Or Obergefell got to get married, even though his husband was a guy. Or uh, gay people can have sex. Or married people can use contraception. That was, that was a, a, you know, in the 1960s, that was a big case. Connecticut had outlawed contraception, even for married couples. But Clarence Thomas is... That's an interracial marriage. Do you think Clarence Thomas... I, I, just, <laughs> I feel like... A, when I, I yeah, guess what I'm, I'm just... saying is I, I really feel like abortion is unique. It is. People, it is, because people either... You know, you just have this view that it's murder. I could put the argument on a hat when people talk about a woman's right. Murder isn't a right. If you think it's murder, I don't. Again, crazy me. <laughs> but... <laughs> Telling you, we're not going to miss yeah. you. You were no, never here, and you're not going to miss anything because you were never here. Yeah, they wouldn't miss us if we were gone. And I would because what? you're already here. Oh, you're, living. you're living. You're living. That's different. It's an interesting thing, okay? And you mentioned that the majority of, or a, a lot of women who have abortions are already moms, and they can't afford another child. I was, or they just don't. Or they want just one. said uh, to hell they, with this. They, exactly. No, listen. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, I had many, many problems conceiving. I, I won't go into details. Although, if you'd like, I no. Okay. So, <laughs> don't fortunately, need that at we all. were lucky enough to have our son. Pure luck. Okay. So then we said, let's adopt a little girl, Bogota, Colombia, South America, where oh. the law there is. 24 weeks, you have that time to abort. This, God bless this woman who didn't. I would not tell her to what choice to make. That was her choice to make, and I'm all about it, okay? That was her choice to make. But I can't imagine my life without my daughter. But... But you could if you'd never had her. (laughs) Again, you wouldn't miss her because you didn't know she existed. All right. Let me interrupt here for one moment. (laughs) It is uh, one of our favorite uh, refillables comes up at this time here because it's graduation time. Anyone here graduating college? Probably. Oh, a couple. Congratulations. (laughs) What? I mean it. It's a a big achievement. Or not. Anyway. (laughs) So uh, we've noticed over the years they write things on their hats. And very often they're very basic things like, yeah, thanks, Mom and Dad. They write on their graduation cap, hire me. And they've gotten a little more interesting on to the next adventure I've seen. And, uh, oh, the future is female. So we took our real-time photographer out to some graduation ceremonies. Would you like to see some of the other signs that are on the caps? I'm sure you would. For example, uh, thanks, Mom, another mom. (laughs) Uh, Goodbye, term papers. Hello, OnlyFans. (laughs) Uh, Just my luck, I majored in critical race theory. (laughs) If you can read this, you're not me. Harvard Caucasians against white privilege. <laughs> I stand with Zelens, Zelen, Zelu, that guy in Ukraine. 
Amber Heard, you can shit on my bed anytime. Well, that's, that's nothing to do with graduation. That's kids. Uh, if only masks protected you from gonorrhea. Well, that's... <laughs> Guess I picked the wrong time to need an abortion. Well, that's a terrible thing to put on a hat. And, of course, your Uber driver has arrived. Okay. Um, so, uh, President Biden is under enormous pressure, speaking of college, to come up with a plan now to relieve college debt. And I'm wondering, especially what you think about this, because you are a strategist and have been one of the most successful ones for the Democratic Party. A lot of people are saying this is a loser issue. I'll give you some brief numbers here. Why that is, 13% of Americans have college debt, federal college debt. So that's not a lot of people you're working to. 65% don't go to college at all. 50% of the college debt goes to people going to grad school, which, come on, a lot of that is just bullshitting around. (laughs) You don't know what to do, and you can keep going to school for free. So it just looks like a loser issue for the party that is trying to win back the working class, that we're going to subsidize. We who didn't go to college and didn't benefit from that are going to subsidize you to get your degree in gender studies. And sports marketing and all the other bullshit that they take in account. I, I, I think it's a loser issue for Biden. What do you think? Yeah, well, and this is revealing a big secret, so don't tell anybody. We Democrats have a, a lab, two labs, actually, secret labs, one in Berkeley and one in Brooklyn, where we come up with ideas to completely piss off the working class. And it's working wonderfully. <laughs> um, we, and... Look, labs, you say, actual yes. Labs. Oh, yes. They yeah. have, they have, and they all have PhDs. Right. In pissing off the working class. Somehow, in my lifetime, the Democrats have gone from being the party of the factory floor to being the party of the faculty lounge. Right. Now, I, I went last week. I spent uh, Wednesday last week uh, in Chicago with the Machinist Union. Hung out with the machinists all day. Great guys. Not a one of them came up to me and said, "Gee, I really hope you take my tax dollars to pay off the debt of somebody who went to Stanford." Right. Okay, if, but I have, I, so Biden's under enormous pressure. He's, he's not for it. He didn't campaign for it. He says he'll relieve maybe $10,000, which I suppose is good. But what I'd much rather see Democrats do is go back to their roots, which is earn it. We're the party that created the GI Bill. Nobody called that free college because it wasn't. The guys who got the GI Bill earned it. Why don't we have a system where we say, you want to get out of your college debt? Serve your country. You Marine Corps, Peace Corps, AmeriCorps. Not everybody can carry a rifle, but you can, you can mentor a kid. And you just give two years of service, then you will have earned that and expand it so we have community college, job training. We, we need more mechanics, yes. not MBAs. Yes. And that's where the Democrats' focus ought to be. Well, that to me seems to be the, the underlying issue. I've said it on this show before. It's, did Democrats have this idea that you're a better person if you sit in class more and more and get more and more degrees? And really the answer is, to make, is not to make college cheaper. It's to make it more unnecessary because most of it is bullshit anyway. Well, right. And it's not necessary. No, that's absolutely the case. You know, and I'm with you for more vocational schools, more avenues for, ki- for people to find ways to make a living. And 
you know, look, here's how it worked for me. I was going to go to college. I knew what it was going to cost. My parents knew what it was going to cost. They put the money aside. Then I, I went to grad school, and I knew what it was going to cost. And I, when I signed on that loan, that was... Oh, sorry, microphone. That was me <laughs> saying, so, I will pay for this. This is mine to pay off because that's accountability and that's taking responsibility for your own life. So can I... Can I ask you, what did you learn in grad school that helped you with your career as a sideline reporter? <laughs> There's a story there. I would love uh, to know honest, what that had to do with Terrell Owens' it, bad ankle. Not a damn thing. <laughs> not a thing. Okay, It was so, my backup plan. All right. It was my backup plan, because it's not every day that you get a job in network sports, and I knew that, right. so I just had a backup And plan. did anything you took in college point you to that... In job college at or all? grad school? I mean, well, anything in college, was it relevant to what you did? I in... mean, I took some communications courses, but no, what I did that was oh, relevant... Oh, total bullshit. Total communications. <laughs> communications. <laughs> I'm so happy yes. to be called out on well, national television well, about my bullshit classes. Well, um, it's not just you, it's everybody. No, it's true. And it's, it's gotten true. worse. And I think a lot of people, the people you're talking about and the people we were talking about at the top, the rural people in America, they're resentful that, you know, you are... First of all, I'm going to pay now to have my kid... Uh, not my kid doesn't... I'm going to pay for some kid to go to an indoctrination center yeah, yeah. where they're indoctrinating kids into things I don't even believe in. Where the, the courses are all in, you know, racist spotting 101 and... and white privilege 105. Right. And, and you know what? And the thing about it, too, is college is way too damn expensive. And it got too damn expensive yes. when all of these loans started being given out. Well, it got it became expensive when states stopped subsidizing. I went to the University of Texas. I love it. My whole career, I owed the University of Texas at Austin, and my law degree, less so, but it helped. I can read a Supreme Court opinion and know that Justice Alito is going after the gays next. Okay? Oh, so it's Lord. enormously helpful. Wow. It's been enormously helpful. I'm serious. The, the law degree, but also my undergraduate degree. So I'm totally for college. I am pro-college. But... Not at everybody else's expense. And what we ought to do, you know, schools used to be subsidized by the state much more. I'm an old guy, but UT Austin cost me $4 a credit. I attended bar and easily paid my way through college. It wasn't even hard. I didn't have to go and get a bunch of student debt. So we ought to make college more affordable, but we ought to throw open the opportunities. Biden campaigned on free community college. And that's what the Congress ought to pass. But I'll come back to the service, though. The other thing we would do, if we had service in exchange for, for educational benefits, not only would we have smarter people, and I am for knowledge for knowledge's sake, I really am, I'm for more art history majors, all for it, but throw them together in a service project with kids who grew so, up on a farm or kids who are in the city or kids who are of a different race, and you will reunite this country. We can stitch ourselves back together again. It's the most important thing we can do. Uh, I'm interested to know how your degree helped you know that Alito was going to go after the gays next. Now, he may, but I I thought one part of this abortion debate we're having now I thought was interesting was we used to hear the line, if men could get pregnant, this wouldn't even be a debate. Well, now that men can, (laughs) and there's a pregnant man emoji, how does this... what? How does that uh, shade... Where's the, the uprising no, of the emoji pregnant man? I mean, I, I, where is the uprising? Does that change the debate at all? <laughs> you know, uh, no. No, uh, it, does no, it doesn't. All but right. listen, 
art history majors are fine, yeah. but you can learn a lot about art history by working in a museum and Absolutely. reading books. Just reading some books is a good idea. I, I agree with you. I think college has gotten too fluffy. Well, well, it's sure. and way too damn expensive. All right, thank you. Great okay. panel. Time for new rules, everybody. New rules. All right. Uh, new rule. Now that Tropicana is trying to make pouring orange juice on cereal a thing. Milk must not take that lying down. <laughs> Introducing the milk mosa. <laughs> Champagne with milk. When you need something to settle your stomach after a night of drinking, but also want to say, fuck it, let's keep drinking. <laughs> I don't know exactly what happens at the Hindu festival of Lal Kash in Bangladesh or what the purpose is, but I do know who sponsors it. Flamin' Hot Cheetos. <laughs> Neural, nothing says, I'm a woman of the people. Quite like having a black man in a face mask kneeling to adjust your ball gown. How come every time someone kneels in front of a Clinton, it becomes all about the dress? I'm just asking. <laughs> New rule, if you augment your buttocks with non-surgical butt vacuum therapy, don't forget to tip your therapist. Because you think your job sucks ass, and this job, you actually suck ass. <laughs> New rule, someone has to tell Alexa. She's getting too attached. She's suggesting songs I might like. She's reminding me to buy dog food. Lexi, honey, I'm not looking for a serious relationship. The other day, I asked her, what's the capital of Egypt? And she said, why don't you ask your whore? (laughs) (laughs) And finally, new rule, since this is Mother's Day weekend, let's pause and take a moment to think about how your mother was always there for you, looking after you and keeping you safe. And then realize, that's not Twitter's job. (laughs) Keeping you safe and sorting out the lies from the truth is your job. When we talk about misinformation, we always focus on the producers, never the consumers, as if we're all helpless, dumb blondes ready to believe anything, like Donald Trump. Now, do lies spread faster than they used to? Of course, but so can truth, which in the Internet age is always at your fingertips. You just have to learn how to use Google for something other than porn. (laughs) 
But this idea that we can clean up Twitter and protect you from fake news and disinformation, it's so ridiculous. It's like fact-checking the graffiti on the bathroom wall of a dive bar. (laughs) We called this number, and we didn't have a good time. (laughs) People always lie. That's what people do. Every age is the misinformation age. And whenever a new means of communication comes along, some reach right for the censor button. In 1858, the New York Times thought we couldn't handle the transatlantic telegraph. They said it was superficial and (laughs) too fast for the truth. In 1487, the Pope issued an order to stop the misuse of the printing press for the distribution of pernicious writing. You know, fake news. (laughs) Like how the earth is a ball. In 1938, radio was the hot medium of the day, and lots of people got plenty worked up about it, especially after Orson Welles presented what was obviously a fictitious drama about a Martian invasion of New Jersey, and thousands of people thought it was real and panicked. You cannot censor away that level of naivete. The Martians had the whole universe to invade, and they chose New Jersey? People on social media like to say, I did my research, but it doesn't count if you did your research on social media. (laughs) I once did a stand-up special called Be More Cynical. This is what I was talking about. Lies are ubiquitous. And in that way, they're quite analogous to germs and viruses. People think you can germ-proof the world and never have to be in contact with the things that can hurt you. But you can't. You have to have a strong immune system. It's the reason babies who live in sterile environments are more likely to develop allergies than babies who are allowed to exist in the world as it is, messy and impure. Lies are all around you. Develop a better bullshit detector. That's a better (laughs) solution. That's a better solution than me giving up what I'm allowed to read. Who decides that? Who decides what gets the no evidence for that sticker slapped on it? Most people in this country still have a religion. They believe they have an imaginary best friend in the sky (laughs) who they can talk to to help them with their problems. (laughs) Nobody throws up a warning label on that that says there's no evidence for this. Now, conservatives do seem to have a special talent for embracing the real eye-roll stuff, like Hillary's pizza parlor pedophile ring, or Democrats eat babies, lizard people are running the world. But 41% of Democrats last year believe the hospitalization rate if you got COVID unvaccinated was over 50% when it was actually less than 1%. Somebody's misinformation got to those people. 
Sometimes misinformation is just history's first draft. I see a lot of things on social media and also on old fucks media. And I don't completely believe any of it. Not right away. Not until I check it out. And when I ask, is it true? Usually the answer turns out to be, well, sort of. (laughs) Or yes, but, yeah. See, we've all become very adept at saying things that are technically true but lack context or that leave out half the story. So if we're going to ban untruth, does that include the half-truth, the quarter-truth? And wait, don't the wokest people in the world believe that what really matters is your truth? (laughs) So, yes. Of course, we should ban kitty porn and libel and personal threats and calls for insurrection. That's a no-brainer because they're already illegal. Just as it would be illegal in an actual town square to whip out your dick. (laughs) And so should it be in the digital town square. And so should bots and deep fakes be banned and anything else that aren't really the people who say they are. But that's an entirely different thing than actual people expressing an opinion as repugnant or offensive or as misguided as some opinions may be. This is still America. (laughs) Where people... People have the right to express what they think, including to be wrong, to lie, and yes, the right to be an asshole. And if you think you know everything and no one else could possibly have some other truth, you should be glad for that protection because you're an asshole. (laughs) All right, that's our show. If you want to hear more of me just bullshitting with people late at night, there's the Club Random podcast now. A lot of fun people. Mike Tyson will be there Monday. I want to thank my guests, Paul Begala, Michelle Pafoya, and Chloe Maxman. I'll be at the Mirage in Vegas, May 20th and 21st, and at the Marat in Indianapolis, June 5th. Now go to YouTube and join us on Overtime. Thank you, folks. Thank you, guys. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.